Welcome to another episode. I am V, and this is the Sussex Set. This is episode 33. And of course, thanks as always, guys, for tuning in. This week, I am going to skip the charity spotlight, but I'm kind of going to not skip it. Uh, (laughs) I'm skipping it to the degree that I'm not going to go in full detail the way that I do for some of the charities that uh, spotlight or have spotlighted on the podcast. But I do want to let you know that Sussex Royal is honoring the military this month on Instagram. So please check out the accounts they are following. And as they said for themselves, for the month of November, we are honoring members of the armed forces and their families. The Duke of Sussex proudly served for 10 years and continues to advocate for the well-being and support of those that serve, veterans and their loved ones. This is a shared interest that the Duchess of Sussex also focused on prior to becoming a member of the royal family. She joins her husband in their continued dedication to this community. All accounts we're following for the month of November recognize the commitment to country and community that these men and women represent. Thank you for your service. Once served, always serving. Here, here, guys. And they're following accounts like We Are Invictus. Uh, well, you can see them. I actually will put a slide there, but... Uh, Obviously, we are Invictus. The USO, the Duchess of Sussex, volunteered, spent time with the USO, which is a charity organization that basically it's a well, so many organizations that support the troops. But troops that are overseas, away from their families, you know, you see a lot of um, actors, musicians, comedians, uh, and, and that's just. (laughs) the tip of the iceberg, really, um, because it's such a a great organization. But a lot of um, people in the entertainment industry that have a profile, they go there to say thank you to these men and women who have spent so much time away from their families on deployment. And, um, you know, just think about it. A lot of these people, let's say you're a single parent, but you have a deployment and you can't take your child with, with you. That's tough. And so um, organizations like the USO are so important. They are also following Scotty's Little Soldiers. You may remember them as one of the charities that Harry and Meghan asked people to donate to in lieu of, like, gifts to them um, for their wedding. I also actually highlighted Scotty's Little Soldiers, I believe, on the podcast sometime, um, some time ago. But... Please check out all of the accounts that they are following, you know, Endeavor Fund, uh, Support the Walk, the Royal Marines. I mean, I so appreciate them using their platform for this because I come from a military family and I actually have personal experience with one of the accounts that they are following, which is the Fisher House Foundation The Fisher House Foundation builds comfort homes where military and veterans families can stay free of charge while a loved one is in the hospital. That's your general overview of the Fisher House Foundation and what they what they do. And since the inception, the program itself has saved military and veterans families an estimated four hundred and fifty one million dollars of out of pocket costs for lodging and for transportation. 
In my experience, I stayed at the uh, Fisher House in Dover, which if you are a, if you've been in the military for a while, you may or may not know that that specific Fisher House is for families who are grieving the loss of a loved one. And that, in my case, it was for my dad. And that Fisher House is on uh, or at Dover Air Force Base. And I was I was living in New York at the time. But my father, just in short, I don't really want to go too deep into it. Uh, but my, my dad died a couple of years ago, but he was overseas. While he was in active duty, he was retired military. And he also worked as um, he did contract work for the military after retirement. So he wasn't retired, retired, but he passed away of cancer. I've talked about it on the podcast before. And the Dover Fisher House is where the remains of military men and women are processed. So say you hear of a training accident in Texas, and I believe there was one recently. um, And in that training accident, their remains are going to be processed in Dover because there's a mortuary at the Air Force Base. There's a Fisher House at the Air Force Base for the families because the family is there to receive. It's very ceremonious. So to receive the remains of their loved ones. So in my case, my father passed away overseas. He was working overseas, but he was also retired military. So I stayed at the Fisher House at Dover Air Force Base, and the only thing they wanted families to focus on, I was the only one there at the time. There was no other, you know, it was not like wartime. I mean, because I can't imagine what that place might have looked like at the height of Iraq and Afghanistan, right? Because there were a lot of casualties, and so, um, but they're all processed at Dover, you know? All the remains are. So uh, at the time, it was just me, but they wanted nothing from me other than to focus on the reason why I was there. And of course, they made everything so easy for me that I didn't have to think about anything. They were there. You, you know, everything I needed, like they would cook breakfast and my travel costs, all of it. They reimbursed me. Even if I didn't want them to, they said, no, ma'am, we're going to reimburse you. This is no cost to you. We just want you to be able to come here, do what you came to do. Let's honor your father. And this is why we're here. The care they take just to make sure that families can focus on the reason why they are there. It's 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 above and beyond like it 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 really takes so much of the weight off and you can simply just grieve but at that you know you don't even you just want to honor the person you just whoever you're there for and in my experience they really created the space for me to do that and so that's that's just a little bit of my personal experience with the Fisher House the majority of Fisher houses are for military, well, they're all for military families, but where either a veteran or a service member is enduring a hospital stay, 
so that they're not spending money on hotels or having to, you know, rent a, rent a car or arrange transportation between the hotel and the hospital, for example, there's the Fisher House. It's available. You know, they have a full kitchen. They, you know, you got to think so many military families have small children, you know, or children who maybe even elementary, middle school age to where there are activities for those kids at any age. They got like little swing sets in the back or they may have a, a PlayStation or an Xbox or um you know, just a lot of different games just to keep people entertained, keep them, um, keep their minds occupied. So they're not just there focused on perhaps not wanting to hear negative news or, uh, but in my case, you know, anyone who was there, it's, it's literally called the Fisher House for Families of the Fallen. So, in my case, most people aren't want to <laughs> aren't going to want to play games and the majority of people who actually do stay at that Fisher house are older. Like they're they're in except for in the case of like a training accident or a war in Iraq or Afghanistan because there was a lot of young people died then. But most most people that stay there are older. In my case, you know, it was just me, but my dad wasn't, he wasn't even retired, you know, so every case is different, of course, but what is solid, firm, and remaining the same is the fact that Fisher House is there as a service. They're there to serve the families of the military that need them and to save them money and to keep them from worrying about things that they shouldn't have to worry about while they are either tending to a loved one or waiting to receive the remains of a loved one. And so take a look at Fisher House. Please take a look at Fisher House. Denzel Washington has talked about um, his respect and appreciation for Fisher House or the Fisher House Foundation as well. I can't say enough great things about the Fisher House Foundation. So I'm just going to leave it to you guys just to take a look check out their Instagram page. That's a great starting point just to see snapshots of what they're up to, how they help people, how they communicate with the world. That's what Instagram is so great for is giving you a snapshot of what a thing or a person is all about. And if you would like to get involved, if you want, if you'd like to help, if you'd like to even just look at some of the other charities and organizations and foundations that Sussex Royal is following, just take a dive and I'm just going to let you guys explore yourselves. Please, please take a look. November is basically Veterans Month over here in the States. Monday, we have Veterans Day. Take time to thank a veteran. You know, I wish I could thank my dad. He's no longer here, but I thank him anyway. But, um, you know, different different professions have their days. You know, you have Teachers National Teachers Day. National Nurse Day, you thank a nurse that day. Well, Monday is Veterans Day, so thank a veteran. Um, they really they really do serve this country. I don't really care what you think of the military, and I know the military is not perfect. Uh, none of them are, whether it's United States military, whether it's the Royal, I don't know what they call over there, Royal Army, Royal whatever, uh, Royal Navy. But, you know, it still boils down to service. 
And the vast majority of people who wear the uniform, they simply want to do an honest day's work and go home. Just like the rest of us, they just do it on behalf of their country. In my case, it's the United States. So they serve. And, you know, it's our opportunity to just tell them thank you every year. So most of us take November 11th as just a day off. You know, it's a federal holiday over here. But... All it takes is a couple of moments to say thank you to those who have served as well as those who currently still wear the uniform because one day they'll be veterans too. Now, let's get into the mess, shall we? Since the last time we spoke, there was a little bit of a major development of sorts, you know. Um, So let's jump into that first. Amy Robach. Sis is a journalist for ABC News. She's an anchor for 2020. And in case you live under a rock, I mean, no offense, because, you know, sometimes people just aren't on the Internet. And to be honest, that's living your best life (laughs) these days. But Amy Robach, uh, this week, a video circulated of her Well, the hot mic speaking about a news story that was quashed or completely stopped. And it's a news story I know you've heard about in recent months that involve the queen's son and his very seedy associations with a monster whose name I won't mention, right? The monster, in large part, was the story. But Amy Robach had the story three years ago, unbeknownst to everyone, right? That's not the story. The story is that ABC News killed that story way back in 2015. So, I mean, technically that was going on four years ago, but in the video that's being circulated the Project Veritas video that was recorded in August of this year. Now, so that was like two months ago, three months ago. She says she had the story three years ago. So that was a revelation, one. Secondly, she mentioned the fact that the palace, that's the phrase she used, the palace put pressure on her to stop the story with Virginia Roberts Guilfrey. Way back in 2015, this was before Megan was even in the picture. The palace was doing that. And her words now, they were afraid at ABC, which I don't know if I truly believe, but they were afraid that they wouldn't be granted access to William and Kate or they wouldn't be able to give interviews to William and Kate. Here's why I don't truly believe that. Although it could be true, but that might have been what Amy Robach was told. And as a journalist, a person who conducts interviews, she's thinking of her career and perhaps the interview that she could land with William or Kate. Keep in mind, this is 2015. They were the couple, the royal couple, because Harry wasn't married yet. So that might be what Amy Robach's higher-ups told her. But the real pressure very well now, could have been applied to her bosses. And 
the person who is still in charge of ABC News, who, by the way, rubs elbows with some of these same people. So if the pressure was coming from the palace, he might have put that pressure on Amy Robach to kill the story for his own reasons. And those reasons probably didn't have anything to do with William or Kate. But there's nothing stopping him or her direct superiors at ABC News from saying that so that it sounds believable. I'm just saying this is a possibility. But even though William and Kate were the hot couple in 2015, I mean, you got the story of the decade right there in your hands. But I guess there's nothing you can do. Like, she could quit her job and go independent to put the story out. But ain't nobody going to do that. So if your superiors are telling you, telling you to kill the story or don't run the story, then maybe she felt that she had to do that, which she, she obviously did. But that story, and here we are three years later, everybody's reporting on it. And the ABC interview still hasn't aired anywhere. <laughs> I don't think that has very much to do with William and Kate, but yet the pressure came from the palace. Now, I do believe that they apply pressure. But I think Will and Kate might have just been the excuse, because really, we know the palace is really into protecting Andrew and doing everything to align whatever connections he has, whether this is in an American media outlet. Because, again, this is an American media outlet that a British monarchy applied pressure to. Um, They're into protecting their own. Project Veritas is an organization led by a right-wing provocateur named James O'Keefe. Now, James O'Keefe is, I mean, he's not really someone that a lot of people are going to, like, cape for, right? But at the same time, James O'Keefe is not in the video speaking about (laughs) the things that were spoken about. Amy Robach is. And so to be honest, James O'Keefe is just, he's a non-factor in this. He's just the person who brings you the project that brings you the video or, you know, he, he created project Veritas, but there's a longer seven minute video, seven or eight minute video, just kind of analyzing the whole thing and talking about the source that gave Project Veritas a video. I watched the whole video because I know there was like maybe a one minute clip circulating on Twitter. And that was all that, you know, that I was seeing that day. I watched a seven minute video today. I'm no conspiracy theorist. And again, Amy Robach is a legitimate journalist speaking for herself. So there's no conspiracy, you know, but I honestly didn't see any issues with the full seven minute video because I was watching and thinking, okay, so somewhere this is going to go wonky. And so I'm just going to wait for when that happens. And it never did. And so I'm really raising eyebrows, but James O'Keefe leads this organization, Project Veritas, and they are the ones who posted the video. They do have some credibility issues for posting misleading information, but in this video, it speaks for itself because Amy Robach is the only one speaking, right? She's even at her desk. Uh, and not only that, but 
It's kind of how like when someone releases a statement to explain a video or something, some piece of evidence, or let's say, quote unquote, evidence that the world gets a hold of, but the statement is just to kind of downplay what everybody know they heard or what everybody knows that they saw. So it's kind of like how Andrew released that long rambling statement after all of this stuff started coming out. You kind of just telling on yourself with the statement. And so when ABC released this statement and Amy Robach has her little piece and ABC News has their little piece saying, oh, well, you know, it didn't meet the journalistic standards at the time, but we got a six part podcast coming out now when you had all of it three years ago and then Amy Robach is having to like backtrack when you can see for yourself how passionate she is about what she's talking about because there's nothing more important to a journalist than being first to break a story especially a story like that you know because even in the video where she says oh and ABC News was telling me which I believe her, by the way. I believe the Amy from the video. I don't believe the Amy from the statement. But uh, yeah, they were telling me, yeah, we don't even know who this guy is anyway. They know who that dude was. And not, more importantly, they knew who he was connected to. They've been knowing, especially the head of ABC News. He probably knew him intimately. And I'm not saying that, you know, he was somebody that should be implicated, but you're someone of a certain social class. You have power. You have connections. You know things. You're a newsman. You really know things of a of a network. You know some things. That's why I said is I highly doubt they killed the story of a Will and Kate, but they told her to kill the story because no one knew who he was, and that no one would care, and that no one would care who Ghislaine Maxwell was or however you say her name. I just don't buy it. I don't buy it. Then the palace found out that we had her whole allegations about Prince Andrew and threatened us a million different ways. Um, we were so afraid we wouldn't be able to interview Kate and Will that we that also quashed the story. And then, um, and then Alan Dershowitz was also implicated in because of the planes. She told me everything. She had pictures. She had everything. She was in hiding for 12 years. We convinced her to come out. We convinced her to talk to us. Um, it was unbelievable what we had. Clinton. We had everything. I, I tried for three years to get it on to no avail. And now it's all coming out. And it's like these new revelations. And I freaking had all of it. I, I, I'm so pissed right now. Like every day I get more and more pissed because I'm just like, oh my God, we, it was, um, what, what we had was unreal. Other women backing it up. Hey. Yeah. So James Golston was named the president of ABC News in April 2014. Amy Robach, again, she says she started the story in 2015. That's when the interviews with Virginia Roberts were conducted. And James Golston, this head of ABC News, he oversees all aspects of the news division, including broadcast, digital, radio, a combined audience that is unmatched in the United States. 
So in June, the New York Post reported that the president of ABC News, this James Golston, he sat with none other than President Trump. And he sat at his table alongside Prince Charles and Camilla at this glitzy dinner in London. You might remember Trump was over there at that time doing a state visit that everybody was praying that Harry and Meghan would stay away from. And they did. So now he's him and I guess his colleagues on his on his level or top tier colleagues and bosses at ABC because of that video, they are now battling to deal with the fallout of that video and people's speculation over why they would kill this story. The story that we now know, it wasn't just big, it was enormous. Sis, again, she says she had everything. Everything that's being reported now or that was reported at the time that she was venting her frustration, she had. There's nothing more frustrating probably, I'm assuming, right, to a journalist to know that somebody else got to break your story, your story. And you couldn't even report it, even though everything you learned about journalism said that truth and integrity were the most important things. And then here your higher ups are telling you, nah, we can't do the story, even though, because yeah, they may say this week, our story didn't, you know, live up to the expectations of journalistic vetting and integrity and whatever that word soup was. They know that was not the case. Because if Sis is saying everything she's seeing reported, she had, it was obviously enough to run with. She conducted interviews and everything. And not only that, but... Virginia Roberts' lawyer, who sat in for those interviews, confirmed everything that Amy Robach said when the video leaked. And so we still don't know why exactly the piece or the interviews weren't released, why we still haven't seen them, especially now that everyone is reporting on it and has reported the details of the story. Not just the details, but like all angles. And the story is still ongoing. But Because of that, that leads us all to now make assumptions. And Golston, the president of the ABC News division, rubs shoulders with rich and powerful people because he is one of them. And so I feel like I have no choice but to believe he used his influence as a person who coincidentally runs a news division for a major network to kill a story that should have been told long ago. Like, it should have been told years ago, this story. That is not okay. And for her to have to write a statement that walks back, I mean, like, completely walks back the passion she clearly had in the video where she's speaking about the story that she had years ago. I mean, that's a sh- that's quite a shame. And it's almost laughable that ABC, 
actually thought that that would pass. I know her blood had to have been boiling, but I just want to say, Amy girl, you better watch her back. Make it known that you are in a good place and you like living and breathing on earth. Okay, just do that. But also if you're Amy Robach, like imagine, and this is 2015 we're talking about. Imagine being afraid in 2015 that the palace would shut down any interviews with Will or Kate and therefore you kill the story of the decade only to fast forward three or four years later and not even care about Will and Kate. Because don't nobody in the news care about Will and Kate right now because they care about Harry and Meghan. Harry and Meghan are the ones driving up the profits. So imagine looking back and realizing that you killed your story for two people that were second on your list, let's say for the royals. Because you can ask anybody in news who, if they had the opportunity to interview as a couple or even as half of a couple, the Sussexes or the Cambridges. And that's no shade to anybody. It just is what it is. I'd be mad as hell if I was Amy Robach, bro. Now, granted, she had pressure from far more places other than the palace. Take Alan Dershowitz. He was friends or is friends with James Golston, the chief of ABC News. But the palace is certainly a powerful force. And I don't think anybody would want pressure from the palace, whether they're American, whether they're British, on them. Because the thing is, it's the unknown. You don't know what it means. You don't know what it means for your career. You don't know what it means for your life. You know what I'm saying? You just don't know. And most people will never have that worry, right? But then when you wake up and all of a sudden you doing your job turns into the British monarchy saying, listen, you're doing your job just a little bit too well and we don't like it. So you're going to have to change the subject and do it right away. Thanks. Like, even if that's not how it happened or that wasn't completely the case, that could have been what was told to her for James Golston's personal reasons. The thing is, you just don't know. And we know she was never allowed to put the story out. And we know that the palace played a part in that somehow. There are some really, really dark forces in this world. When you think about the power that some people have, and the thing you should trip out about is that these powerful people on Front Street, they paint themselves as do-gooders philanthropists, scholars, ladies, gentlemen. And I'm not saying all powerful people, all rich people are evil. Some of them are true, good human beings, you know. But I have believed all of my adult life, like the more I learn about the world, that people give far too much credit to others just because they have titles or just because they have millions of dollars or billions of dollars 
or some kind of power and connection. But like when you crack open the records and the black books, the little black books, and you look at the connections that someone like that man, he had high power connections for decades, then you're confronted with the possible truth that rich and powerful people can't possibly be good people. And more specifically, to be and to remain a good person under those conditions is the exception, not the rule. Because the truth is, and studies actually show this, people will get away with what they can. And if they feel like they have just a little bit of power, they will continue to push and push the boundaries to get more of it. Imagine being a rich person with a lot of power. You just want more of it. Imagine being a rich person with a lot of money. You just want more of it. It's about power. Power over as many people as they can possibly have. You ever wonder why sociopaths are more likely to be rich, more likely to be CEOs. These are documented facts. I'm not just speaking and making this stuff up. These are facts, yo. You got Google, Google it. Chief executive officers are more likely to have sociopathic tendencies and maybe in a career sense that serves them if that's what they want to do. But Imagine, slight slight tangent here, but, and I've said it myself before, I I think a lot of these people, and I've, I've said it about some people of the royal family, I'm certainly saying it about some of these people that I'm speaking about now, sociopathic. They don't have empathy. They don't care about the plight of others. They don't care about the lives of others. For the most part, and again, The good person in that scenario is the exception and not the rule. And so based on what I've seen as a lay person looking in from the outside, if the way the royals behave is the rule, then Harry is the exception. He's the one. He's the exception. Diana was the exception. Everybody else is the rule. Andrew's the rule. The queen is the rule. William is the rule. It's This is a slight tangent, but like it's no mistake that Harry is, even before Meghan, Harry is and was loved by people who didn't give a freak about the royal family and still don't. But Harry stood out because he is the exception to the rule. He ain't the rule, right? So he married his counterpart. And now, as a family, as a couple, they only highlight just how different they are from everybody else. And we see how differently they are treated when we look at how everybody else is treated. So again, they are the exception. They are not the rule. But those who are the rule, whether they're royal or not, they're not very kind. They are hardly ever apologetic unless they fear a negative financial consequence and they know they play by different rules. Therefore, they play by those different rules. 
like Dershowitz, like Trump, like Bill Clinton. And I'm not even going to go into some of the details of it because you already know I already talked about it. But the fact that the palace would protect a person like that? Then the palace found out that we had her whole allegations about Prince Andrew and threatened us a million different ways. Um, we were so afraid we wouldn't be able to interview Kate and Will say, oh, that we that also quashed the story. I mean, I just don't understand why they don't realize that in the long run, that's not a winning strategy. See, because like, that was in 2015. But we have evidence that they're doing it still. <laughs> and nothing was more glaring than when old dude was found in his cell the same day. The queen and her son. Oh, man, they're laughing it up. Grinning it up. Grinning it up. Granny, grin it, grin it, grin it, grin it, grin it up, granny. I might, edit, <laughs> I might edit that out, but, uh, listen, um, that was disgusting, yo. That was disgusting. They were like, literally, I mean, because how, first of all, again, sociopaths, my opinion, your boy dead. That was your friend, yo, regardless of what I think about him. That was your ace and you, you smiling and you laughing and. Happy you think you off the hook. And your mama still caping for you. Honey, she let you run all up and through Buckingham Palace with that stationery. <laughs> that Buckingham letterhead. He found him a typewriter. And boy, he went to click clacking it and clacking it away with that terrible statement he put out. But they let him do it. But they won't string together two sentences to protect a pregnant woman. Diana called them, or the institution, rather, a gilded cage. I said in the first episode of this podcast that it is a gilded ghetto. Um, because it's a moral ghetto, really. Honestly. Honestly. Because these people put a wall of protection around that dude and they sacrificed the newest member of the royal family who has done more for the royal family than anyone has in decades when it comes to global interest as a person as a personality yeah everybody tuned into the royal wedding both the sussex wedding and the cambridge wedding but the megan interest has been sustained in a way that we haven't seen interest sustained since Princess Diana was one of them. Trying to sacrifice Megan to protect someone like him, and I'm not even mentioning other people's involvement in the smear campaign because there was that. It, I mean, no wonder Harry couldn't wait to get out of Kensington Palace. Because remember, in the beginning, they were talking about, oh, well, you know, they're going to live right next door to Will and Kate. And somebody was supposed to be moving and some apartment was supposed to be renovated. 
And before you know it, it was, deuces, we out this bitch. You know, and the media will try to spin it to say, oh, well, you know, they're being banished or the queen wants them out there or uh, Will and Kate, they didn't want to live next door or they're being punished for whatever reasons. You know, all the little stupid narratives that came out after it was revealed that they were moving to Frogmore Cottage. They couldn't wait to get out of that ghetto because it's a moral ghetto. I told y'all they got gold-plated everything, but they still thugs. <laughs> and I'm so sincere, yo. I'm so sincere. If Harry and Meghan are the exception, then why would you want to live around that type of energy? I digress. The Amy Robach video only seeks to further prove that the palace has been protecting Andrew for years, probably decades. And when she even began her interview process, uh, Amy Robach, for Virginia Roberts, Megan wasn't even in the picture. She was a full year out of meeting Harry. And the story was supposed to be run, like she said, back then. And the palace was defending Andrew back then. Yuck. Girl, all we're seeing is just one more piece of evidence about this, about the institution and, and the extent it's willing to go to protect one of their own. And they never complain, never explain. I hope they stop saying that because it's not working. It's not working anymore because nobody believes it. Because, you know, behind the scenes, they do stuff like strong arm and American news organization. Whether they did it, how I pictured it or not, they still had influence over it. And having cooperation with the chief of that American outlet's news division. That is bananas. Like, I don't really understand if you realize how crazy that is. And then leveraging potential interviews with the Cambridges, who admittedly were the draw in order to protect Andrew. And then when Megan got in the family, it seems not only did the family welcome the idea of using Megan to draw attention away from all of the bull crap, but doing it while trying to milk her and Harry for all of their hard work while not even bothering to worry about either of their mental health or physical health. I swear, Jordan Peele could make a movie about the royal family and like it's a royal family who has a black princess, a new black princess, and it would be the creepiest thing ever. But even the real true life story trips me out because they and their friends and the press have literally tried to steal the life energy from both Harry and Meghan, but especially Meghan. And in a way, it it's kind of like get out you know like if you really think about it honestly like if you if you've ever seen the movie get out I mean it's a little bit like that right now <laughs> and I am not exaggerating remember in get out the rich white people would like lure black people to the house so they could steal all their talents and physical capabilities so they could like stay alive just a little bit longer. 
Yo, how is that not happening right now? Metaphorically, how is that not happening? Like the truth really is stranger than fiction. You know, and we know Megan went in, you know, bright eyed and bushy tailed and, you know, she's still making a difference. That's important. But baby, please watch your back. I'm so sincere. Like we have seen over and over what the tea is over there. And I'm just saying, you know, if it was a Jordan Peele movie, I might be too scared to watch it. So when you come home for Thanksgiving, y'all can just stay. You know what I'm saying? Y'all ain't got to go back over there with them folks. I'm for real. I'm so sincere. <laughs> so, you know, get out. Uh, speaking of Thanksgiving, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex have a full schedule of engagements and commitments until mid-November, after which they will be taking some time, some much-needed family time, including Thanksgiving at Mama D's house in California. No doubt about it. Man, I hope we get some good pictures from that. I hope they're generous enough to share pictures because, you know, that's going to be their private time, their family time. But, man, I mean, just the idea of Harry even, you know, having American Thanksgiving. I think that's I think that's cute. But like. I I, I mean, like, I don't even really know if y'all are quite ready for that happiness you know, just for them to be carefree and let their head out. And, you know, I'm actually really grateful that they do have America, like a whole country, as an outlet. If they wanted to get away, they could. They certainly could. Honey, they're not, you know, the future king, future queen. They get to experience things when they want to experience them. To be honest, truthfully, they do. And um, I just look forward to seeing that joy, you know, at some future point in time. I don't even know. <laughs> I think they're they're generous enough, hopefully. Please, Megan, because, oh, I mean, we need this almost as bad as you do. <laughs> um, but But seriously, like, I'm so glad that they'll be able to just get away from stuff for a while. And I hope they stay a little bit longer after Thanksgiving or even if they don't go back um, or rather even if they, you know, leave California not too long after Thanksgiving, I hope they at least stay in the States or maybe they go to Canada, you know, or maybe they, who knows, you know, here's another thing. You know who else is in California? Oprah Winfrey. (laughs) I love Oprah. But listen, it ain't like Oprah and Harry are not currently collaborating for Apple TV, sis. You know what I'm saying? So don't let me see some brunch pictures with the Sussexes and Mama D at Oprah Winfrey's house, okay? Because as I'm thinking about it, that is such a possibility. And I might, you know, my head might explode. Like, I, I might have to go to church. 
Okay, so I don't know. I guess I'm just priming myself. <laughs> I'm just trying to get my hopes up. But either way, I'm just so glad that they're able to uh, take an extended period of time off in a way. And I hope they just allow themselves to be loved on by people who just want just want to tell them how great they are and how much people appreciate the work that they're doing and the vision that they have for the work that they want to do. Man, like, and Archie is going to be exposed to his other country? Because Archie, baby, you're American too. Yes. I hope Megan take Archie all up and through Compton. You feel me? Uh-huh. It's just so funny how, and I'm just thinking about that. It's just so funny how the terrible atrocious British press called that woman straight out of Compton which by the way that ain't an insult it ain't the insult you thought it was sis because Serena Jamika Williams is also straight out of Compton that's not the insult you thought it was but I hope just to be petty because y'all don't y'all know Megan is real petty right well maybe not real petty because I'm real petty but sis be watching Oh, I hope they drive all up in through Compton. Do you feel me? Like, just to say, oh, yeah, we out here. We out here. We out here. I'm sorry. I'm just getting a little bit too geek right now. I I, I just, I'm just so happy that they're leaving that S-H-I-T whole country for a little bit. And don't worry, because I live in one too. But we don't treat them the way that they're being treated over there. But in all seriousness, it'll be great to see them over here in the States. Harry's kind of like, well, not kind of. He is and always has been America's favorite prince. So please enjoy your holiday. Please enjoy your time off. It is time that you have earned. It's time that you deserve. And I hope it is time that you enjoy. Lastly, before I get out of here, I want to introduce a segment that I've been meaning to introduce for so many weeks, but I hadn't, I hadn't had time to really compile it the way that I wanted to, but uh, it is a segment called Squad Speaks. You feel me? Squad Speaks. And, you know, it's just comments that I, I have saved and, and or kept handy Um because I, I mean, so much of why I do this is to engage and <clears throat> interact with the people who come to the platform who want to share their opinions or maybe talk about the things that they've noticed or just just as a space for their opinions to be safe. And so I just want to engage with these comments so I'll read the comment and I kind of respond to it a little bit. I, I really try to pick these as much at random as I can, but I go through thousands of comments <laughs> cumulatively with all of the videos. And these these are YouTube comments. Maybe, maybe one day I'll do Twitter uh, or Instagram comments or whatever, or just do a mix of both or all three of those. But uh, these are YouTube comments. So I kind of just plucked out ones that I just found interesting and 
have an opinion on. And, and sometimes sometimes a comment will mention something that I hadn't thought about. And a lot of times I'll respond to the comment or I might not have have a chance to between, you know, maintaining all my, you know, presence on the platform and doing things like living life, you know. So this is a way to engage with it in a different way on a different platform. So Joyce Bolt says the British royal family are not standing with the Sussexes because they are raising the bar for what the public should expect from working royals. With the exception of Prince Charles, who works hard, the rest of them seem to be contented with doing fluff work, like cutting ribbons. I mean, I think that that's definitely been one of the one of the the things that a lot of people have mentioned that have just even just been observing. I even referenced a little bit of that even even in this podcast. Uh, yeah, Charles does work hard. And I think on a personal level, like, yeah, I, th- I think, OK, my opinion, I think there's more that he could be doing to protect Harry and Meghan. Right. Uh, when it comes to the press. And I don't know any of these people, but I think deep down, Charles, you know, he he could be a good person, you know, but. And I have no doubts, by the way, that he does work hard, but it's like, you know, everything kind of fits together. So I would like to see him do more in the way of actually showing Harry and Meghan, not just Charles, but everybody else. Right. But Charles is the next king. Right. So I feel like he has more he he has more in some ways influence than the actual queen now. Understand she is still the queen, but she's handing over many of her duties to her successor. So he's the next monarch. I would like to see him throw his weight around a little bit more. That being said, Princess Anne probably works harder than everybody in the family in terms of like the sheer number of engagements that she she does every year. I mean... She's doing the job that was asked of her at the very least, you know. But, yeah, I mean, for the most part, I I definitely agree. Noelle Smith says, Meghan and Harry did the right thing by going public with their thoughts and feelings about all the negative press about them. They can't continue to accept and tolerate this bashing by the ignorant press. They will definitely win their lawsuit. I hope that the lawsuit includes firing Pierce Morgan. Here, here. I mean, if a lawsuit can't include that, that'd be a good thing to include. You know, a condition <laughs> if it's possible. But I don't I don't know if it's possible. But um, no, they. I mean, I'm so glad that they're going on record to talk about how they, you know, how they've been treated because it's not normal. It's not normal. I think one of the most sinister things about observing the whole thing is the press is who is trying to convince everybody that that's normal. It's not normal. That's not normal. I'm sorry. It ain't normal. <laughs> so, um, you know, it might be normal for people to have a little bit of scrutiny or even more scrutiny than they're comfortable with when they're royal 
when they're famous, you know, that's normal. Bullying someone to the point where they could very easily miscarry a child and bullying them because you don't think they have any other recourse or that they can't, you know, they can't speak out and all they have to do is sit there and take it. That's not, I'm sorry, that ain't normal. The way they treat Garrett Thomas and the way they treated Ben Stokes, that's not normal. So I, I, I'm really glad they spoke out, you know, um, and they can try to malign them. They can try to, oh, well, he's so fragile. Oh, Will is so concerned with his fragile brother and sister-in-law. Girl, we see right through that, A, and B, the Sussexes, by talking about what they're going through, look like the only true mental health advocates in the family. They're the only ones living by the words they preach. So I'm glad. I hope they win the lawsuit. I think they're going I think they're going to win. I don't think they're going to come away empty handed. I do know that. Um, but, I, you know, I'm not a legal expert, so, and I'm definitely not a, you know, English law expert. But I hope they come away with some kind of resolution or solution that they're happy with because God knows they've been put through it. Joy Reese said, Harry has never cried for his mother's loss of life until he received help from a psychologist in his early 30s. Megan has accepted his need to express his emotions as no one should hold their emotions in as if they are a negative. Harry has been under so much stress in his young life. All royals should show more vulnerability. I mean, I definitely agree that all of them should show more vulnerability. I think as an institution, they believe that that is weak. I think culturally, Brits think that you know, we talked about it. Megan even talked about it, the stiff upper lip thing. They think that is a sign of weakness that, you know, you know, the, the culture is just to just get on with it is the phrase. But um, at the same time, you're right. If you're going to be a mental health advocate and if you like are giving a speech, right, like Harry was at the well child dinner and you have some emotion just boil up right there, it's okay to show it. It really is. You know, and people tried to malign him for that too. Well, again, the sociopathic ones tried to malign him for that. But um, no, you're right. I think in 2019, I think they could only stand to benefit by showing their human side I think it's very outdated uh, for the institution to be as cold as they are. Uh, it's it, it's like, you know, I know historically they are sort of a relic, and they're they're sometimes people don't see them as people because they are royal, you know. But who needs royals in twenty nineteen? So. I think if people show the monarchy or show royals that they want to see them as human, maybe they will be a little bit more human. But 
ain't nothing stopping him. You know, Megan went in as human. Harry's been human from the gate. Diana was human from the gate. Uh, it's okay to show emotion. As for Harry, whether he cried for his mother after the fact, and maybe he said it himself. I never saw that. But, um, you know, private moments, people cry. You know, I didn't cry tears when my dad died so much until I thought I was past the grieving stage. And But I, honestly, I was an adult, though, so it's it's different when you're a kid. But if Harry never had the opportunity to slow down or he, he would rather, in which I understand, especially for boys or young people, I should say, to distract yourself from that. And God knows he had so many avenues to distract himself from it by him having the access, having the status, having just the background that he has um, after his mother passed. Like, I wouldn't have blamed him for that. But who knows? I mean, but I, I just... It, it would honestly blow my mind if Harry only cried, like only first cried for his mother in his 30s. But again, I wouldn't blame him either because everybody's everybody's path is their own. So um, but if that's the case, ooh, he's been through it. He's he's really been through it. So it only makes Megan being a presence in his life that much more important you know and you do get the sense that she protects him in her ways too you know Harry's very vocal about how and even in his body language you can see he's very protective of Megan of his family but Megan protects her dude too you know and that that's part of what being a, a union is you know y'all keep each other strong so I'm happy for them that they have that. Deborah Fraser says, We are seeing exactly why Harry had to up his game when he met her that first night. Folks, we are seeing what Harry saw in Megan. She is exceptional. Here, here. It's not very much I can add to that, but I mean, she really is. Like, the fact that she can continue to radiate through what she's been through that type of scrutiny she's never had like she was famous but now she's like global the she went from being Meghan Markle on suits to the most one of the most googled people in the world two years running you know and the grace that she's had through that and the piling on and the being in a new country and away from your mother, you know, away from the majority of your friends. <laughs> so much grace. But just then to, even when she's speaking about subjects that she's very passionate about, um, some of the organizations that she's interacted with, kept in touch with, like even just recently the the Luminary Bakery opening their, you know, additional location in Camden and just seeing that and how people respond to her. It's, it's, it's a thing that you cannot duplicate. You can develop, but you can't look at it and say, okay, I'm going to do that next time. No, you have to have it in you. That's development. That's character development. And honestly, every time 
I like further just when you think you you can't love her anymore you do like every time I find myself admiring Megan I always 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 think about Doria children don't do what their parents tell them to do they do what they what they see their parents doing for the most part you know they emulate their parents and so for Megan to be as impressive as she is, like I talked about her being, you know, a volunteer for the USO. She was a regular volunteer contributor at a pantry when she was well into a successful career, didn't have to devote time. She, you know, uh, doing work in, in Rwanda for girls, for, you know, education and, you know, female sanitation products and speaking at the UN and, you know, being a part of the One Young World conferences way back in 2014. At 11 years old, having the audacity to write a letter to get a commercial change. Like, that's taught. But it is also developed over, over you know, a lifetime you know, living on our own as well. So it's just like, she's such an impressive individual to me. And I love how willingly Harry did admit, yes, sir, I had to up my game. I'm a prince, but I'm not the draw here. (laughs) You know, and it's just like, I think that's so cute. And it shows how much humility that he has as a person. And I just think they're just so great together. So And lastly, Miss Belle Francis said, Megan has a husband who is a real man and a prince who stands up for her regardless. He is witnessing firsthand the racism that people of color endure daily in the UK. His grandmother, the Queen, is head of the Commonwealth, which currently has 53 sovereign states. These are people of color. Yet still, the royals stand by and watch Megan being subjected to daily abuse and nothing is said. Their silence says it all. Thank you guys for your podcast. I hope Harry and Megan know we are here supporting them and that they are love. Thank you, Miss Bill. Um, you know, that that is an interesting point. I, I mean, I think that nothing really opens a non-person of color's eyes more you know to seeing the world as it truly is not to say that you know white people don't see the world as it truly is but there is a layer of privilege and then when you're white and rich and royal so much so much privilege do you stand on but see here's the thing about harry harry has always recognized that he's always named it you know and pointed to it and said, okay, well, let me, let me go this other direction and see what I find over here. You know, and I'm not saying he, he left his prisoners behind. No, but he did go to war twice. He could have been killed. I mean, very well could have, you understand? He does. He did not have to do that. Right. Um, he has planted a part of himself in Africa because he cares very much about the impact that he can make in so many countries in Africa. 
he has very much like Diana because she comes from, she comes from privilege too. You know, she was aristocracy. Put himself around and in the company of, on a regular basis, people who don't have voices and not just for show. You understand? Um, I think he has a track record of that. But even still, nothing will open your eyes more than being married to a person or being even just in a relationship with a person of color. Because see, then the way that person that you love is being treated is now how you're being treated. And so you feel that. You feel that, you know? And I think, you know, when Harry sent out that 2016 uh, statement from Kensington Palace where he initially talked about the the way that his then-girlfriend, Megan, was being treated, I knew then, oh, they're going to get married. That's She's the one. She's the one. Because we know Harry, he he is very comfortable expressing himself, which is awesome. When you can feel that he is as angry and upset as if he was the one on the receiving end of the racial headlines, and that shows that you're one with that person. And you you don't pay attention to those things when you kind of don't have that lens. Or like parents who adopt kids from a different race. You know, or um, if you have a really great friend that you've made in your life that's a different race from you, you start to see things that you didn't pay attention to before or that you may not even have had a reason in your mind to pay attention to. And so certainly now that he has a black mother-in-law, his wife is also black. Yes, she's biracial. I, I get it, guys. I know that. But she is of African descent. And the press is not letting us forget that. It is racist. So, of course, he, absor- he, he absorbs that a little bit. And he feels it. But he has a new, I, I wouldn't say a new, but like a deeper appreciation for what people of color in in England may experience on a daily basis. I, I honestly don't have firsthand experience with what that is. I can only tell you about American <laughs> experiences with that. But I would be interested in learning more about that because I think culturally, from my experience, having traveled to England multiple times and also as an American Looking over there, I think culturally, English folks kind of tried to, intentionally or not, put out this idea that we're one nation. Race doesn't matter here. But we see that it does. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I think it, it, it really would be interesting to, to hear how um, how he views that and how that has how his view of that has actually changed, you know, cause I don't, I don't live there, but the Commonwealth is largely, um, 
nation states of color. So I'm sure that's not lost on him either. I'm sure that's not lost on Megan either. But um, yeah, that's that's definitely an interesting point you bring up. And I hope, I hope in the future they talk a little bit more about that. And so with that, there's really only one thing left to say, which is that's all I've got for today. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. If you haven't done so, please run on over to iTunes and leave the girl a rating or review. That'll be cute. I haven't asked for one of those in a long time, but hey, if you feel like it, I'd appreciate it. If you don't, it's all good. Just letting you know that's something that uh actually supports the podcast. So you can do that. Or you can just find me on social media. On Twitter, I am at Sussex Squad. On Instagram, I am at Sussex Set. And I'm also on Spotify if you want some good tunes. Check out the Sussex Rising playlist. You know, I might change that playlist up a little bit. Like, I don't know. I really don't need two playlists. Maybe I'll just keep adding to it. But I just, I just fear that... The more I add to it, the more it's just going to be like a jumbled mess with no direction. So, but anyway, I haven't added any songs to it in a while. But, you know, that's there. And also, if you would like to become a patron of the platform, that is also an option for you. Just run on over to my Patreon and take a look around and know that I haven't quite figured out the direction I want to go with that. But, Hey, it's a space for anybody that is looking for a space like it. So that's that. And as always, thank you for listening. And until next time, peace. I'm a bad bitch. You can't kill me. Kill me.